0: The Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to GhostwritersandCo.com for more information. That's GhostwritersandCo.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Today we interview Jeffrey A. Mangus who is a fellow ghost writer. Uh, He was previously uh, in another life. He uh, owned two uh, real estate brokers uh, and then he was diagnosed with uh, diabetes. Uh, he had a flesh eating disease that actually uh, cost him one of his legs. Uh, it was a very traumatic event for him, obviously. And um, when he got through that, he decided he wanted to do what he loved, which was writing. And so he became a ghostwriter. Uh, We have a very amazing conversation. He has lots of insights uh, about the ghostwriting process itself, about marketing and business. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Jeffrey, thank you so much for being on the show and taking the time. How are you today?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It really means a lot.
0: Awesome. So I want to start with, so your previous life, before you became a ghostwriter, you managed some brokerage firms, uh, you're a real estate uh, broker, and then you switched to ghostwriting. Can you talk about why you made that transition and how it was different? Because I imagine there was quite a big difference between real estate and writing.
1: Well, yeah, I really appreciate that question because it's actually the answer to that question is uh, it was a, was a pivotal moment in my life. Um, I have been writing all of my life, uh, and I, throughout the years, you know, I've I published a few children's magazine articles. I was able to do that. I really loved writing for children and doing things like that, and got got my feet wet. But I never thought of doing it professionally. But in when I <clears throat> Left my when I sold my real estate company, I got out of real estate. I was in real estate for 14 years. I sold my company and to go on uh, basically because I, I lost my left leg below the knee. And I was, I literally had three major amputation surgeries to lose the leg eventually. And at the time, I basically was flat on my back. And I'm like, I was at that point in my life where it was like, what do I? do now. Mm. So I thought long and hard, did some deep soul searching. And I thought, why don't you just do what you truly love to do, which is right. And so I hung my hat, and I started doing a lot of copywriting, I started doing copywriting for some agencies around the country. Uh, There's hundreds of blogs and hundreds of websites out there that I wrote that no one knows it was me. Um, And that's where I got my first int, you know, basically, introduction in into ghostwriting um, because I was told the, you know my, the clients would say, don't, you know, you you work for us. Don't say anything. You can't promote them. Just write them. Okay. So, and I was fine with that. As long as I was getting paid, it was, it was all good. So, but then I wrote my first book about my limb loss. And that was my first first book. And, it, and was it a good book? No. <laughs> I mean, it told my story, but it wasn't, you know, but it got me just to love the whole book writing process. So, you know, I decided this is something I want to do. You know, the copywriting was fine. There's nothing wrong with copywriting. It's, you know, it just, for me, I found myself um, kind of drifting, you know, like I found it, some of the material, not so stimulating. So I thought I really want to just write books. So I, I started ghostwriting USA and have not looked back. That's how I got started.
0: How did, and so how did you decide to go into real estate in the first place? And what was that thought process?
1: Well, that, that was years ago. I used to work in cardiovascular surgery and I worked in surgery for 12 years. And during that time, uh, I was I had a young family and I had a house payment. I thought I was making pretty good money, but um, I thought, let me try to sell houses. I, th- I was thinking, making, make a few extra dollars, you know, a few thousand dollars a year. And ended up being I ended up being pretty good at it, so I kind of transitioned from working in surgery. I've done quite a bit, a few things in my life. <laughs> um, kind of strange, but yeah, the, went from perfusion, cardiac, uh, you know, cardiovascular surgery into real estate. It was a major change, but I, I did really well in it, and uh, that's that's where that that transition happened.
0: Awesome, and you also um, played get you said we were talking before uh and you you were was it in a band but you played guitar
1: yeah i play guitar still play guitar every single day yeah. um it's something i love to do have been playing guitar since i was six years old and i did play in a band and we played professionally we toured the whole country uh played everywhere you know from new york to florida across the you know, across the country and we were in los angeles for five years playing in hollywood and on sunset strip so yeah
0: that's awesome it's I, I don't know. It, it sounds like to me that there is definitely like a creative side with a more practical side that have always kind of been battling out. Would you say that's the case or, or, or is that not true?
1: That's a great question. Honestly, I believe that the creative side that I have always been a creative and I consider myself a creative, um, but I believe the creative side is what helps me do what I do. Because being a ghostwriter, and you know this to be true, there's a creative element to it. There's a there's a technical aspect of the writing and there's also the ability to capture someone's voice. And I feel like my creative side really comes into play when I'm able to listen to an author's voice in my head and be able to reproduce their tone, their style, their diction and how they how they verbalize. So it's really something I feel like that's where my creative side comes into play.
0: Awesome. Um, So what did you, I mean, obviously, I think you ran two very successful brokerage firms um, in your time in real estate. What did you learn uh, in that, um, in those companies that you can have translated into your ghostwriting company?
1: Great question. Um, the, The one thing about being a real estate broker that I, that I loved was helping people, not only helping people sell their houses, but also I loved helping agents. Agents be successful, which is the exact same thing that we do as ghostwriters to help an author be successful. Uh, you know, it's a it's a selfless job. You know, where you you put your client first, and that's what I learned the most about myself. Which I love to do is the is the truly from the heart want to help someone be successful, and not just look out for myself. Um, because I believe if you help other people be successful, your success comes as well. It will follow. And what I do every day by writing books for authors, I'm helping them in their career so that it's very satisfying that way. And that's what I took. That's what I took from owning my companies that way.
0: Mm. And how about marketing? Were you able to easily promote yourself as a ghostwriter after? Because I know it can be a little bit jarring when people know you as, you know, a professional real estate agent or whatever your, your previous job is. Um and then becoming a a ghostwriter. That's, that's quite the shift. So in terms of marketing, did you have trouble, um, you know, promoting yourself, getting the word out, or was it an easy shift because you knew exactly what to do?
1: Well, I think it was a kind of an easier shift for me because, you know, we all know marketing is marketing. There's certain tactics and techniques to use in marketing. Just the real estate was a different, you know, type of marketing, but all in all the shift was, you know, i announced I was leaving real estate, you know, did it, did it professionally? Got out, and and then when I started doing ghostwriting, I basically took what I learned from the you know marketing of properties and marketing of myself then, and just rolled it into you know the company, and being able to you know uh, do posts, uh, keep things out there, and keep the marketing flowing, and it it was a, kind of an easy transition.
0: Hmm. Uh, you mentioned. That- I'm sorry. I said I use these
1: same kind of marketing techniques every every single day. From
0: my- single- can you talk a little bit about those those techniques and and something that may be useful to yeah, our listeners? I,
1: I, yeah, if, if to who's listening, you know, if you if you are a business uh, owner, leader, ghostwriter, you know, I I, I learned the term. Uh, I have a very good great friend of mine. He's a ghostwriting mentor, Derek Lewis, and uh, Derek won't mind me mentioning his name. He's a great guy, and he I work with Derek one on one and he helped me when I first started with ghostwriting. And the one thing that Derek taught me was called breadcrumb marketing. And which, I don't know if you've heard that term before, but uh, it's basically simple, the more content, and and this goes back to learning about SEO and content writing, doing copywriting, the the more content you have, whether it's a podcast, like we're doing now, or a video or a blog, you know, these things now are really important because the more you have, the more, of course, the search engines, you really got to work with the search engines and putting out content. And especially now, Google is now, you know, capturing podcast transcriptions, video transcriptions, uh, and, and spidering them. So now it's all critical in helping people find you. Um, I believe in this breadcrumb marketing technique where I keep content on, on a consistent basis out there but it's not content. Like uh, it's, it's again, content steered to help someone. It's not about, Hey, come talk to me about writing a book. Hey, 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 it's about, here's some answers to some questions that you might need to help you. Cause I, again, in my podcast, I tell people, I'm not under no illusion that I'm the the perfect ghost writer for every single author. That's impossible, but I am the ghost writer for certain people who are looking for certain things. And just like you are um, it's, so I keep this breadcrumb this stuff out there and I do it on a, on a continual basis on a schedule. And um, I really try to coordinate my efforts and not just, you know, kind of it uh, out there. I guess what they call splatter and spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. I don't do that. I, I'm, I do it strategically. Just to keep it, the content out there and people find me, people mm. are, you know, um, and i talk to, I've talked to quite a few authors. Now, do I write books for every author i talk talked to? No, I don't because they're not always a good fit for me and I'm not always a good fit for them. But the, the moral of the story is they find me. And that's through the breadcrumb marketing I call.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I've never heard that before. So I'll, I'll have to do some research. Yeah. Little um, pieces
1: here and there, it all adds up.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, you talked about schedule before. Uh, do you have a specific writing schedule that you like to adhere to or, or is it sort of scattered?
1: My, my writing schedule is very, very, very rigid um there's no in my world there's no such thing as writer's block there is no such thing every day every single day I sit down in my office I have as you see my home office here um at my desk and I go to work I literally just start working and because I have every evening I outline what I've got to do the next the very next day it's all lined out uh, I, I work very hard at that. And then I know, so it, it's relaxing when I sit down to know, okay, I got this to do. This is going to happen today. And this is what I'm going to shoot for. Um, but the books that I write for authors, you know, the work is there. These, the, the stories are theirs. It's there. So I'm able to just tap into that and get into their, into their mind, into, into my author's voice. And I, that's the, what I really love is when I'm able to tur- turn off the world which I do. Um, I want to let everyone know it's very important in today's world, Joel. It's so easy to get distracted. Mm-hmm. The phones, the the notifications on the on the computers. It's just it's we all we can go down. Uh, you can be on your phone for five minutes, and next thing you know, it's an hour, right? I turn my phone off every day. I turn it off. Not even remotely chance that you can get me. My family knows. Just working. From this point to this point, if they want to get me, they they come find me, right? It's it's but that's the importance of what I do. It's it's rigid, you know. I'm very strict about myself, and I and I hold myself accountable to what I have to do.
0: Mm. And so you did some copywriting, uh, which is more salesy, more marketing. Well, how, what's the difference between that and ghostwriting?
1: Well, it's a completely different world, you know, because. Of, your, your target market when you're doing copy is you know is, is just that a target market an audience is going to purchase something so the the, the uh, verbiage is different the the, uh, the style is different even the amount of content you know something that someone is going to buy something they're not going to read a thousand page letter you know unless they are really interested in something um, but they're looking for you know quick emails um, you know quick social posts uh, which is It's actually a really skill that I've really found, you know, to be fun to do, but it was a skill that I had to learn to write precisely, write short, and still get the message across. But it is a message to um, call to action, get someone to make to do something. And that's usually, you know, go to a link or, or whatever to purchase something or follow another link to a certain website to find out more information.
0: So, uh, so, you mentioned your, your book earlier. I think it's called Limb Loss Life. And you wrote that in, If uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, was that your first kind of foray into book writing?
1: Yes, that was my very first one. First time. Um, I'd never written a book. Um, but it was so important to me uh, because of what my experience was of losing my limb. Uh, it was so important that I was very passionate about it. So w- when I say that, that was the book, to me, the book was good, but it, you know, I realized now after reading it, it was my, it was my first stab at writing a book. So there was some, you know, uh, things that were done wrong and, uh, but I had, g- had good success with the book, uh, but it, it taught me a lot of things that I didn't want to do, you know, and could do better, you know, as far as writing books.
0: Like, like what, can you give us an example?
1: Um, To, to write more of a business tone, more um, with what I do now, you know, but I found myself writing in a loose kind of um, using a lot of slang, a lot of things that didn't really translate to every reader that really, you know, it was, I found myself, um, the, even the writing itself wasn't as professional as it should have been, you know, and I learned that, Hey, if I want to do this, I've got to really work on my craft, and uh, and that's what I do. I'm I'm if I'm not writing and working, I'm working on my craft. We'll talk about that I'm sure.
0: So. <laughs> um, so, 2017. If you could just take me back. So, um, the limb you lost your limb because of diabetes. What what was going through your mind when you when you got that prognosis and and what's kind of shifted in your thinking uh, during that, that time period.
1: Yeah, that was a matter of fact, uh, you know, 2017, it was, I was in the hospital for the whole month of December and it was, I was in there during Christmas. I came home on new year's Eve of 2017. So new year's Eve for me and my wife is very kind of special because um, I literally was septic and my kidneys were failing my heart was in a uh, first degree heart block. It was really a scary time. Um, the, but I learned, you know, now I, I take very good care of myself, my diabetes. Um, it was actually a flesh eating bacteria that got into my foot mm-hmm. from back from diabetes. There was a, I had a wound in my foot and I got some kind of bacteria. So yes, it was from diabetes, but then it wasn't. But, um, but it, at that moment I, I didn't know if I was gonna live. And then when I finally got out of it and was able to, okay, I lost my limb and then I had to face that fact. It was like, okay, now what are you gonna do with your life? What are you going to do? And what, at that point I realized my life, life is short, we talk about, everybody says, oh, life's short, it is very short. And so you might as well do what you're gonna love to do and and quit wasting time doing other things you're not gonna love. Mm. That's why I chose right.
0: And so when you lost your limb, What's, what did you go through that, you, that can help somebody else who has gone through a similar experience?
1: Well, I appreciate you asking that. Um, just for the record, I, I, I have a book coming out this year. Uh, it's with Roman and Littlefield. And it's called Possible Amp, A-M-P, Possible. And that book is a, a complete deep dive into exactly what an amp- amputee, whether it's an upper, upper amputee, limb amputee, or a lower, it's for every amputee but it's a completely deep deep dive into what you're going to experience from from minutes after surgery after losing your limb to time to the time you get your life back and i left no stone unturned this book talks about things that are normally normally not talked about sexuality rejection pain physical physical pain phantom pains everything that's involved in being an amputee so but in when i lost my limb uh, if anyone's listening to this it's going through something like this just know that it takes you have to just understand and believe in yourself that you can get yourself and get your life back it's a hard obstacle and a hard mountain to climb but you can do it i'm walking proof of it if you were to see me walk you would never know i have a prosthetic leg i don't walk with any gait or i have no issues and i'm i'm blessed and i know no don't get me wrong not every everybody's that blessed and lucky but Ultimately, though, no matter what, you can still get your life back and have a prosperous and healthy life um, just by being strong, just digging deep and realizing you can do it and not giving up.
0: Mm. And so out of that, you became a ghostwriter. Did you know before, you know, a lot of people don't even know what ghostwriting is or they don't know it can be a career. Uh, Did you know that this was a possibility before becoming a ghostwriter?
1: Not at all. Not even close. I didn't even know anything about. I mean, I knew well, I knew the whole concept of it, but I never thought of it. Never thought about being one or being. you know, uh, it, was, it was only doors opened. you know, from the first book and from the mistakes that, was, that were made. It just seemed that doors, you know, doors became open for me and found, I found that, that career path, you know, and I met Derek and and uh, took one of his classes and courses. And then he and I became friends. And and so it just went on from there.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so your company is called Ghostwriting USA. Where did, I'm curious, because um, it's a very curious name for me. Uh, for me. Uh, where did that come from? And why did you decide to name your company that?
1: Well, I, I, that's, you're the first person to asked me that. Um, actually, I just, you know, instead of trying to promote myself, I, I really thought a way to, I mean, yeah, in my company, I promote myself. I'm the only person in my company. Um, <clears throat> I thought about eventually maybe asking a couple of ghostwriters to come on board and, and, you know, that kind of thing. But right now it's just me. And, but I thought of the name because number one, you know, when someone's searching on the internet for ghostwriters, they usually use the term ghostwriting. So I was lucky enough and that I found that domain name, ghostwriting and USA. So I put the USA because I wanted to be able to let everyone know that it's for everyone in America. Whoever wants to write a book, um, of course, I've written books for authors for out in, in around the world, which I'm very proud of. I just finished one from a, with a gentleman who was in Indonesia. Hmm. Um, you know, yeah, uh, interesting. So really, yeah, really proud of that one. It just came out, um, but uh, but yeah, that's why I named the company Ghostwriting USA and uh, to uh, to basically uh, let this there's that. When you visit my website, there's no doubt of what I do. I don't have to explain it. You know, you're, you're, you're there and you know what it is. So.
0: Yeah, that's good marketing right there. Um, so you've written two books about ghostwriting. One about, well, one, I guess, about um, proposals, about book proposals. Um, so what can you tell us about what goes into a good book proposal?
1: Well, a good book proposal... <laughs> Which I just I just finished two book proposals uh, for two books for two authors. Um, what goes in, the the essential ingredients in, in a good book proposal is being able to um, to show how the book and the author is different than the competition. How, what makes that book special? What makes it unique? What is unique about that? And also is targeting in on who the target audience is for that book and that's why I stress the importance of new authors understanding who their reader is when when I hear an author tell me oh man everyone's gonna love this book I already know they don't haven't done a lot of homework because not everyone's gonna love that book their book maybe you know so I help them I help them develop and understand who their target audience is but when I first write a book proposal that's one of the first questions who is your target reader who is that one reader that's going to, you know, that helps me mold the whole thing? Um, but the, the ultimate goal in that is to show how that book is is better or is is offers something different than the competition, and that's that's the whole essence of a good book proposal.
0: Mm. Do you find that there are there's less need for book proposals just with uh, such a big increase in self-publishing?
1: Ah. Uh, Feel that I still feel strongly. You know, um, I have an agent, and he and I talk about this all the time. The critical importance of book proposals. Now, yes, is there a book proposal necessary for self-publishing? Usually not, um, but I still feel that if you if you can, if you want to publish your own book, that's great. I've published my own books as well, and most of, a lot of my authors publish their own books. But if you want to eventually transfer transfer and and go, try to go for some, for traditional publishing, a book proposal is absolutely critical. Um, For example, uh, of course, I'm not going to name names, but I spoke, I spoke to a, um, a, an actual legit rock star um, just a while back. And um, this guy, you know, big, big, huge rock star. And he thought we could just call publishers and say, hey, this guy wants to write a book and we can sell a book. That wasn't the case. My agent instructed him that, you know, you got to have a book proposal because things are different now. I mean, these editors go into their to their um, their to their company to their their editing board. They, it goes through all kinds of different channels, and they have to have something tangible to to show, you know, to try to sell the book. It's not just hey, I got this guy on the line; he wants to write a book. You know, it used to be that way, That's not that way anymore. So, I really believe in book proposals. Um, you know, and, and the importance of them. <laughs>
0: Um, do you recommend that your clients do more of a traditionally published route, or is that even not something that you like to to talk about? Is that I more? Don't, of- yeah, I
1: don't. I re- yeah, appreciate that question. I, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I don't really steer an author on what they want to do. I ask them what their goal is because if they are going to go traditional, then then I know what I need to do with them, and that includes a book proposal, which includes you know, so that has to be that has to be talked about because of the fees, you know, the, the fees involved in writing a proposal along with the book or, or you know. Um, but I basically ask, you know, if what their goal is, self-publish, you know, or traditional. And that way we kind of know right off the bat, that this is a the route they're going to take. And I think, I mean, most of the authors I talk to, they're, they're pretty, you know, open about what they want to do, especially I, I, I think self-publishing has really opened up a huge, huge world to so many people, which is awesome. It's incredible, you know, the way it's going. So, there's a lot of authors that make her, are making a living just self-publishing. You know, Joanna Penn is is point proof. I I think she's incredible. You know, I love done, Joanna Penn. Yeah, yeah I do too. I think she's incredible. Yeah, uh, she's a huge inspiration.
0: Yeah, and so you wrote another book about how to um, hire a ghost writer or how to ha- hire a ghost. Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about that book and why did you decide to write it?
1: I, I'd love to talk about that book. That book um, is, uh, uh, is doing really well because I felt like, number one, I, I talked to a lot of authors and I talked to people, and a lot of them, you know, they don't understand the process. They don't know, you know, what's going really, what they're, you know, getting into when they're talking about hiring a writer. So my thought was, why don't I write a book that will help? someone, understand at least understand the process, and to help, I mean, again, like I say I'm not the perfect writer for everyone, and, and so it gives people out there who wants to have a book or has a book idea an opportunity to say, okay, this is how it would work, you know, so it gives them an opportunity to, when they talk to a, another potential ghostwriter, at least they understand the process and what they're looking at, what, what's to be expected, and that was the goal of the book, Mm-hmm. Um, now, yes, in the book I do talk about if you they, if they want to talk to me about that, beautiful, uh, but the book's not filled with that, and if, uh, it's, it's not. I, I intentionally wrote the book to make sure it was it was universal, so it would cover the the process of hiring a ghostwriter, what to what to ask, you know, when you're talking to one, what to expect with fees, what to expect throughout the whole process.
0: Mm. And what should somebody look uh, in uh, in a ghostwriter?
1: As far as fees go.
0: Or, Any, anywhere you want to take it, uh, fees in terms of like personality fits. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. that's, I talk about that a lot in the book. It, personality is, is really important because anyone that hires a ghostwriter, you're going to be working with that ghostwriter for quite a while, no matter, even if it's three months, six months. I mean, it takes at least three months or six months to write a good book. And, there's no magic pill. It doesn't happen in a month, and you've got to be able to get along with that person at least to at a certain level, um, you know, to because so you're meeting, you're talking, you're and especially as a new author, you know, you're opening yourself up to that ghostwriter, and you're not going to open yourself up fully if you're not if you don't like the person you're talking to. So personality is really important, and to be able to load what to, so when you're talking to a ghostwriter, make sure they, that you feel good about that person, make sure that you get the good vibes, um, and just, you know, keep everything open and honest, it really helps, as far as, you know, fees go, it all depends on the book, um, with me, it depends on the size of the book, excuse me, uh, word count, uh, you know, so I base my, I base all my proposals are, are are unique, I don't do, you know, just some kind of flat, you know, hey, I'll do this, it's, it's very, very projects, specific, you know, on how many, what the author wants to do, what their goals are and what their, what their, their vision of how, how big the book would be. You know,
0: One thing that I think um, makes a ghostwriter different from, you know, copywriting or blog writing or any other type of writing is making sure that they capture the voice of the author. So how is, how do you ensure that you capture the, the author's voice?
1: Well, First off, I do record all sessions. You know, of course, I've been using Zoom for even before COVID, <laughs> using it for quite a while. Record the sessions, and I'm able to um, to actually look at the video as well and study the author's expressions. Mm. How you know what's I can see if it's something emotional that it hits a hits a button. How important is it to that to that aspect? But what I do is is I write there. I call it the Franken draft, the first draft. It's ugly. Um, but I give them a pretty clean copy. But what I say, Frankendraft, draft, I know that it's going. What's what they're going to see is is ready for their input. It allows them to to get in there and say, okay, I, this is what I told him, but I, I need to add this. Or I need to fix this. So basically, it's like writing a book before you write a book, you know. Uh, but I do it chapter by chapter, so I'm able to tune in to that author's voice, capture what how the best I can to what I feel that they talk like, speak like, and capture the information, I send it back over to the author for their review. I call it their review. They review and they add their their two cents. If they don't like what they're reading, they tell me. We fix it. That's why I never write a full book without the author seeing it. I write chapter by chapter. And that way, by the time we get to the end of the book, every chapter has been okayed. Every, the author is good with it. It makes the author, um, gives them a good experience. And that's how I do it.
0: Hmm. And so you mentioned that you also write children's books. What's the difference? Is there a different process to that um, as opposed to um, adult books?
1: Yes. Children's books are are a completely different animal um, because again, it gives back to um, age range, target audience, uh, and, you know, vocabulary, you know, a a book that I'm going to write for for an eight-year-old child is definitely going to be different than a thirty-five-year-old you know, CEO. It's going to be completely different. Um, it goes, it goes back to that. You know, I wrote everything was nonfiction. I, I've always been a nonfiction guy, um, and I love that. I love nonfiction, even when I wrote for children. I used to love to find a topic and and do that. But it's it's completely different as far as vocabulary, style. Um, you know, it's it's a whole different world. Now I actually went to the Institute of Children's Literature years ago. And sold my first piece when I was actually in the school. So it, I made 25 bucks and I thought I was in high cotton. Um, but it was great, you know, it was I, I got I couldn't believe it. I got paid for writing words and it was like, "Oh, okay." So um but yeah, it was a it's a whole different ball ball game there, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed too, but it's a you know, if you're a ghostwriter and you're <laughs> you're wanting to get into that and it's a, it's a you have to have a complete different with in the in the mind.
0: So uh so you do actually do ghost you ghostwrite for children's books, then?
1: I have not, up to this point, done a a, a another author's children's book. Now I do offer it as as a service, that I would I'm able to would be willing to do that because of my experience. But at this point, I have not written a children's mm-hmm. book for another author. Now I have for myself, you know.
0: So what is it about children's books that captures your attention and excitement?
1: Well, first of all, I, I love. Uh, I I used to love my, when my kids were little, I would go to the school or schools and I'd read books to their class. I just love the, 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 I love the magic of a picture book. I love there's magic in them. And I know that sounds weird, but I'm, I'm crazy. Me and my wife will go to the library or we'll go to a, and we just will be, we just point straight to the picture books. I just, I love the, the, the rhythm of the words intertwined with the pictures. I think it's fascinating for a writer to be able to, to tell a story in such short words and be able to capture someone's mind. I, th- I find that really intriguing, really did. Mm. Magic.
0: So through your ghostwriting career, and I know that you can't tell a lot of stories, but is there some instance that really stands out to you? There is there a project that you really enjoyed working on?
1: Well, I did. I, I wrote... I uh, just finished up a book from harper collins and um with uh with an author and he and i it was a it was not a um it was a it was a ghostwriting, it was ghost writing but this turned out end up being a just a full-blown friendship collaboration um we worked two years together two years solid weekly uh and it became, and that's why I strive to stress the importance of being able to get along personality wise, because these things could go that long. Um, they normally don't, but two years, we worked very hard on it for two years, but we developed a friendship um, that even that has, stands today, a bond. There was a bond that we did. I mean, we found, we, we cried tears together. It was very, it was one of, it was just a special relationship. Very, very special that uh, that I really found
0: to enjoy yeah all right jeffrey i'm gonna cap it off with one last question and this is a question i like to um, to ask a lot and that is um what do you have a favorite i know this is a bit of an unfair question but it's (laughs) do you do you have a favorite book or a book that you like to gift a lot
1: favorite book um honestly my absolute I, i read a lot of books i'm a voracious reader and I believe in what Stephen King says. Stephen King says, you cannot be a good writer if you're not a good reader. My favorite book, and I've, I've probably read four times, is Stephen King's book on writing. It is it's something that it's so, it, to me, it's filled with just not only just this breath of fresh air about writing, but it, it, if someone's a new author, or a potential new author, it gives you an insight that, you know, from a, from a master. And and the beautiful thing about that book, and I and I actually have gifted that book, is that he he's so prolific at keeping it simple that it's amazing. That you know his career. If you read that, have you ever read that book, Joel?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I was it's just actually funny enough that you mentioned it because I was thinking the other day I should reread it. It's been a while since I I think I I read it when it first came out. And I don't think, I don't think I've read it since then, but it's definitely, yeah, I agree with you. It's definitely worth the the read. I think even if you're not a writer, honestly, because I think it has some really great just general life advice. It does. It has
1: some general life advice. Even if you're not a writer, it has a just a, just a fresh view of of, of the world and and it's, it's shockingly surprising from him. I mean, not saying that he's not capable of that. He just, it's just a really great book. And I, yep. I've read it four times now and I still find like, like every time I read it, like, wow, this is really good.
0: Yeah. So uh, as a nonfiction guy, do you, do you also enjoy his fiction?
1: I do. I, I've read, I've, I've loved it. I've read every book of his fiction. Uh, yeah. And.
0: Uh, awesome. Well, Jeffrey, so, thank.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thank I'm sorry I'm so... interrupt. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for being on the show. For people who want to reach out to you, who are trying to inquire about hiring you, where's the best place that they can find you?
1: They can visit my website at uh, ghostwritingusa.com. And there they can either schedule to talk to me or they can email me at ghostwriterusa and the number one at gmail.com.
0: Awesome, Jeffrey. Well, have a great day and talk to you later. All right. Thank you, Joel. Take care. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.